it was just so beautiful hearing about all these amazing people that, yeah, they're no longer with us, but their stories, their memories, their personalities can still live on. And like, we can laugh about them and like someone can be here. We talk about them and they're part of our lives for 50, 60, 70 years. So why not carry on saying their name 50, 60, 70 years after they've died, you know, and celebrating them? Emily, thank you again for being here. Your platform with Untangle Grief, your community, if you will, for those of you that don't know who she is and what her platform is, I'm, she'll tap into it a little bit more, but she's created this amazing community for, I think, a lot of people that have lost and grieved to you know, find common ground and feel some kind of inspiration in the process with grief. And you, your content's incredible, so it's an honor for you to be here. It's an honor for me to have you here, rather, <laughs> all the way in London. Um, it's also but, uh, an honor for me to be here. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously, I, I appreciate those words. So to, to kind of get the ball rolling, to share a little bit, a little bit about who you are, your Untangle community, uh, how has grief affected your life? What's your story? Yeah, thanks for having me. So I think big loss uh, was my grandpa, Harold, uh, who died um, eight years ago now. And he was an amazing person, um, big character, very funny, very generous and caring. And he died at time, I'm the oldest grandchild, so he kind of died, my parents were getting divorced and I was basically helping my family through everything, the practical aspects. Um, and then also kind of, I was probably one of the first of my friends to lose someone. Um, I found it very difficult. And I think like my brain is always kind of looking for solutions and uh, as a way of maybe displacing pain I was experiencing. I was like, this is so crazy that this is such a hard thing I'm going through and everyone else um, must go through this too. And why isn't there somewhere that can just help me, like help me figure out what we need to do and help me actually process some of these emotions I'm feeling that they're big and new and... Um, confusing uh so so that was kind of the story I've since then lost other kind of close family friends uh, and uncle and um but that was really I guess the trigger for me for starting Untangle that makes sense and I feel like our brains naturally go for you know we start asking questions and in your case you try looking for solutions what are some of those solutions that you found you know of course everyone handles it differently so maybe it's too broad of a stroke but what kind of grief points have you discovered that have worked for you or has worked for the community? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing with grief is just realizing that everyone goes, or most people are going to go through it. Everyone's probably going to go through it. And it, what you're experiencing is normal because I think the hardest thing, I say this having, so I've now facilitated, I think I worked out something like 30,000 minutes of peer support groups um, over the last couple of years. And the thing that comes up all the time is that, that you think you're going crazy. You're like, what? I'm feeling all these like big feelings. I feel angry. I feel guilty. I feel, I feel nothing. I don't think I cried because I was in like helping everyone else mode. Um, and for the funeral and for, we said Shiva because we're Jewish. So for the week afterwards and then, and it wasn't until a year later, I was traveling with a friend. I went into a shop in Bali and I was hit with this smell that smelled exactly like my grandpa. He had a very distinct smell and um, their house still smells of that smell, but less so. And it's like kind of cig cigarettes and aftershave. And 
I literally walked into the shop and just burst into tears. And I remember the woman who's who's working at the shop kind of looked at me and thought, you know, was this tourist just come in and started crying the second that she walked in? And that was when the grief hit me. And it well, the grief had hit me before, but it was like that was when I connected with it in a different way. So I think just realizing that what you're going through is normal and there are other people that feel this way. And the thing that comes up over and over again is how kind of isolating grief is. You know, after a couple of months, people stop checking in, they don't ask questions. And for us, the kind of, or the way I saw it is if you can talk to lots of other people who might be going through something similar, you realize what you're going through is normal. You're not crazy. Um, So there's that kind of that, let's just making you understand and also what's going on in your brain and body like we've had some amazing talks with neuroscientists nutritionists therapists and they explain like grief is a physiological reaction and actually understanding that makes you realize so much of of you know the the way we process it even you know, like sometimes you, you think you see the person, like you'll look at a stranger in the street and you think it's your loved one. And that's your brain trying to essentially make sense of where is this person? It's trying to find a place. And there's so many little things like that, which once I understood, I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I guess the things that have helped uh, education around like what's actually going on in my brain and body, talking to other people who relate. And, um, and then the other thing is, and I have to say, I... I struggle sometimes with doing this, but just trying to like calm myself. Um, and like, I, I've tried meditation, <laughs> I find it really hard, but things like breathing exercises and for me, keeping myself occupied. So doing things like Sudokus and like physical exercises and things like that really helped me. Um, and so we have on the Untangle app, we basically have tools to help you cope, things like all those movement exercises. We have lots of videos with experts explaining kind of what grief is, what it is, how it impacts you. And then we have lots of live um, and chat support groups as well. And that's kind of been the core of uh, the offering that that's on the app. And we're constantly building out more things, but that's kind of what we offer today. What has your process been? Because I'm curious of the relationship of your process and, you know, the knowledge and experience that you've built through other people's stories and being there for other people. So before I get into that, how long how long has it been since you've had your first loss? I always can't remember if it's seven or eight years, which is crazy, but I think it's eight, eight years um, since my first loss. I think the other thing which I never really talk about, but um, my sister's always been very unwell. So I've always lived with um, from a very young age, the kind of, she's still alive, but the kind of risk of her dying. Um, so grief has been very, I actually never really talk about this, but it's been, it's very present in my life in a very different way as well. So I'd say grief has been in my life since I was probably 11, but my first kind of loss was when I was in my early twenties. Well, yeah, I asked that. Just, I'm curious of your your grief process over the years in collaboration with the work that you've done now and how it's evolved. But you just brought up a point that I didn't know where we were going in regards to your experience with your sister. And earlier, you you made a comment regarding how you had, you know, you've experienced, you recognized the grief early, obviously, when you lost someone, but then you connected with it. I believe the term was you used when you had that 
that experience with your senses and it brought a whole different emotion back. So in regards to your connectivity with grief, that hits home a lot because I think grief evolves and there is a different level of connectivity with it as time goes and as you process things. So it hits you differently, whether mentally or your body or however it may come. So what is your connectivity with grief right now with the thought of your mind for all these years that you may lose your sister who's still alive? That's a good question. I think I go through phases with it. Um, sometimes it feels, I, I think I, I, emotions sit quite physically with me. And I don't know if that's because I have slightly, and I, you know, it's a constant struggle with myself in terms of my coping mechanisms. But I think my, I throw myself, I threw myself into untangle and like, figuring out how can I support other people who are grieving and I find our facilitating our support groups really cathartic for me because when I hear other people talking I'm kind of processing my own emotions through what they're sharing and so I think a lot of the kind of I guess the intellectualizing the understanding of grief I do through connecting with other people and then physically I find sometimes I just feel exhausted and I I just notice it in my body. And one of the things I, so strange when I exercise, exercise has been really helpful for me. And I stretch and I stretch the top of my back. I often feel like I could cry or I cry. Um, and it's like so much tension sits in my body. So I think, I don't know with my relationship with grief, it's something that's it's it's just very present in my life and I'm very aware of it. I think it makes me also want to live in a meaningful way um, in that I'm so aware of how precious life is and how amazing it is to be able to, to live and experience things. And so I, you know, I try and make the most of life. But then there's that tension between that and then just sometimes you just feel exhausted and you can't do it. And <laughs> so I think I constantly have that battle of like wanting to do more. I really have like big ambitions for Untangle and I want to reach a lot of people and, and help them through kind of these hard moments in life. But then I also sometimes I'm just like, I just want to, you know, be in bed and <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah. under the covers and not have to deal with things. So, um, yeah. That's not a clean answer, but I don't think there ever is one really with something like that. Uh, what's your relationship with grief at the moment, would you say? Oh, that's interesting too, because, um, you know, in relation to the question I asked you about your, I don't even know what you would call it. Like, I don't even call it anticipatory grief or just like the, maybe this grief is just on your forefront thinking you might lose someone. So I almost lost my mom in July. And of course I had my experience with my father when I was 12 and plenty of deaths in between. But it, it, it is a different connectivity, if you will, when, you know, I had that loss 20 years ago. So there's that growth process of my experience with grief in a sense of processing it later in life because I lost my father at a relatively young age. So I feel like I processed things later and made some deeper understandings as I became a man, but then almost losing my mom, there's a new relationship to grief because it was an almost, and then it brings back all these memories and reminders of how close we are to death, which therefore almost immediately shifts the way I want to live my life. So I don't want to say similarly to yours, but how grief kind of changed your perspective on wanting to live a purposeful life and having some meaning and helping other people. For me, it just, I feel like it upped my timeline. I feel like my life clock is ticking a little bit faster because I had these plans 
for a specific example, to go back east, I want to be closer to my family, especially, you know, just I have a close relationship with my family and the experience we have with loss. But in a roundabout answer, my point of saying is now I feel like shit, I got to get back east close to my family even faster. Like we just had a hell of a scare, almost losing my mom. She was on the brink of death. And now it like upticked my clock of wanting to move things faster. But then I kind of got to sit back because it's, I think there's a, with grief, especially when we're dealing with trauma or any kind of experience that's just bothering us, I think there's a reaction and a response. And I think I'm reacting, but I got to kind of collect myself and respond. Like, yes, I can have the same goals and maybe try to get there a little faster, but at the same time, I can't get blinded by emotions in some sense. So I think I've learned with grief to slow it down. And like what you were saying with breathing or just trying to find some kind of calmness amongst the chaos is something that I've feel like I've tried to work on in so many aspects of my life, whether it's just romantically or work problems, this or that. I think grief has really taught me to try to learn to stay calm because at the end of the day, whatever's going on, it's going on regardless whether you're crazy or calm. So you might as well just try to stay calm. I don't even know if that was an answer. No, I think it definitely, definitely was. Maybe <laughs> think actually of that. Is it the Baz Luhrmann speech? Um, and he says, uh, the things that blind, there's no point worrying because the things that blindside you are, you know, six o'clock on a Tuesday. Uh, they're things you never plan for. And I think that's, that's true. And, and in a way we can, you know, there's both of us saying, yes, there's all these things we want to do. We want to hurry on our plans, but actually you just don't really know what's going to happen. And I think sometimes trying to remember that actually living, and I, but this weekend, for example, I went on a, a solo hiking trip on the coast in the UK and I was like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to think about all these things and make all these plans and, and I just went and walked and cleared my head and looked at the sea and just thought, do you know what? It's just being in your body, being present. And I know these are cliches, but it's true. And, and just enjoying each day. That's actually what is important. And um, and I think when you're and I say this, having you know run lots of groups, spoken to lots of people and often you can't when someone's died and especially if it shakes your, you know, your plans for the future, I think this particularly like widows I've seen this a lot as when when you've planned or, or any relationship when you plan with someone suddenly you have to rethink what your life looks like I mean that happens with most losses and I think it, often I've seen people go into this like oh my gosh I need to replan my whole life and the reality is that's a huge thing to do even if you haven't lost someone planning your whole life is a huge thing to do and it's it's not actually possible because you don't know what's going to come so I think taking it hour by hour and and then day by day and then maybe week by week is actually all we can do and on the flip side enjoying things hour by hour day by day and week by week is also all we can do um and it's they're they're cliches but they're cliches for a reason exactly <laughs> that's the thing the cliches for a reason so it's 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 funny when people i say the same thing i say it's a cliche but it's there's a reason why it's there because it's most likely true mm. but it, it's it is uh that is an eye-opener when I, people ask me the same question like what have you learned from grief what is the biggest thing and i think that you can just get slapped across the face and everything gets shook in a second changes everything in regards to your plans because I think it's good to have plans and some people are way more strict with their plans. I could, I'm, I'm way more loose with my plans, which could be a double-edged sword. But I think being aware that sometimes plans 
or most of the times plans don't go as planned. So it's important to have a loose guideline. But I think with the understanding that in my head, at least my personal opinion is if understand that plans don't always go as planned, then it kind of gets you prepped for the unexpected in some weird way, even though you can't prep for the unexpected. So I think understanding when it happens to you close to home, it, um, it just shifts your entire perspective on life and the way you live every aspect of your life. So it doesn't have to do with just your perspective on death. It's just from the everyday to day building your business or your other relationships. It just, it literally just throws a wrench in everything. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there is this, uh, with, you know, we're talking about plans and life as a whole, but then having kind of cornerstone routines and habits can be helpful. I think when I felt most lost, just stuff like going out of bed, making the bed, going for a walk, like those little everyday things can be helpful. And I guess my brain was just thinking about this, like the idea of a plan, like maybe you don't have a big plan, but having like a routine and a daily plan can provide some comfort and familiarity when life feels a bit chaotic um, and things are kind of, you know, the rugs pulled out from underneath you. So we've seen that, like we run support groups at a regular time each week and there's a, that becomes part of people's routines. And I think that that can be really helpful. So it's not to say like, don't have some kind of plan, but be um, understand or be kind to yourself and recognize that like, you might not be able to follow it all the time and that's okay. Or you might not be able to achieve those things or do those goals that you, that you had before someone died because they, they, you know, you might feel differently, but I think routine can be quite helpful um, if you can muster a routine when, when someone's first died. I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good insight right there. Cause I think it kind of, kind of throws an umbrella around exactly what we were saying. Like it's, you, for instance, like I think this, I'm just kind of shooting off the hip here, but when it comes to losing someone or going through something, it's hard to kind of see the, the, the end of the tunnel when you're in it. But I think in regards, it's nice to have a, a goal at the end. Like I want to, whatever, if it's general, it's just thrown off the hip again. I want to, I want to be healed. I want to find peace. I just want to get better. That's like the long-term goal. And I think sometimes with goals, we get obsessed with how do I do that? You think all the way down the line is like a, a like 52 weeks or whatever it may be. You think of a long-term plan and that's kind of that bombards you and overwhelming to think of a long-term plan. But back to what you were saying, those daily routines go back to kind of taking it day by day. But at the same time, it's still a plan along the way, like a flexible plan, but there is that structure. So it's kind of like, it's a, it's a balancing act. But I think that what you're saying with those meetings and it becomes structured and routine, that, that it still is a plan. And I think we got to, my opinion is let go of the idea of absolutely having a certainty of how we're going to get there. Just you got to kind of have a blind faith in some capacity in my head of that you're going to get there. And along the way, you have to trust that you're going to figure it out by doing these day-to-day things. And I think those add up. And I think that's part of the big process of kind of getting through it. But there's that's, that's very nuanced. So perhaps that's way too broad of a brush again to kind of conclude how to get through grief, you know? Well, I think it's about having hope. I've seen a lot that you can feel very, very hopeless when someone dies. You're blindsided. Everything that felt true and certain might be suddenly shifted and you can feel very hopeless. And I think when people feel very hopeless, you need to have hope or you ideally you have some hope that it will get easier, right? And I think even if there's not a goal <laughs> just knowing having some hope that it will get easier is probably enough to kind of hold on to to give you the momentum to keep getting up each day or keep getting through each day when things feel really tough 
Um, and you don't even need to know what the end looks like. You just have to be hopeful and believe that there is some kind of, you know, there's better days coming. Um, and so even if it's not clear what your future looks like, it's okay as long as you know that there is a future and you have some hope that there will be something. Um, I think that's what I've seen as like helped people learn to live with grief because they just know that at some point it will get easier and they hold on to that and eventually it does get easier and you learn to live with it. What about the opposite side of the spectrum? Because I feel like I've had people on my show and just in general here, you know, you can easily go down the black hole of taking the pessimistic approach. There is no reason. There is no hope. This is so tragic. Um, there's there's nothing to live for anymore. Loss of faith, all that. Have you had any experience in seeing that where someone went down such a black hole that in that moment they literally completely gave up? We talk about a lot in our support groups not wanting to live. And I distinguish that from being suicidal, actively suicidal, you know, but not seeing the point in living, not feeling like there's a possibility of joy, not knowing why you're here. And we, we talk about it a lot, just this, you wake up and you're kind of wandering around the earth and you're wondering, like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? And I think that that is a normal feeling that a lot of people have after someone dies. And I don't have a, an answer, but it, just to say that it's something that we talk about a lot. It comes up a lot. Lots of people share just not wanting to be alive. They don't necessarily want to be dead. They just don't want to live in this world without that person or a world that's been completely changed. And I think that it's just acknowledging those feelings and saying, fine, I feel that way, but I'm still going to wake up and get out of bed or not and get through another day or get through another hour. So you may feel that way, but you ideally just know that that's normal and it will pass at some point. And also, you know, I'm not a doctor. There's also, you know, you consult your doctor. There might be other therapy, medication, there's support groups. There's, there's things that can help as well, but there are things that can that can help with that as well. But but sometimes it's just saying that acknowledging that they're very valid feelings and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's that's important too. I think literally it sounds simple and again cliche, but it that is a very important step is just kind of letting yourself feel those emotions. And I think uh one thing I heard I was got reminded of is uh Alan Watts. He's a guy that I I listened to and he mentioned some kind of capacity of just allowing yourself to feel that and uh and sometimes don't name it if that makes sense, where you feel these emotions and it's easy to say, okay, I feel this anger. I feel X, Y, Z because of the X, Y, Z because of that. And sometimes it's nice just to feel that emotion and just take it as an emotion without putting a story to it, without naming it and just allowing yourself to sit in that emotion. Because the way I'd look at it is by sitting in that emotion and observing it, it's going to sound woo woo, but it's kind of like, uh, you're the observer looking at the emotion and the emotion is now separate from you. So there's two different things. So you are not that emotion. That emotion doesn't define you. This emotion is transient in a way because when you do look at it as separate from you, it's like, okay, that's that's not me. I'm not, I'm not angry as a whole person. That's just the emotion I have right now. And by sitting it and feeling in it, sometimes I feel like it just gets released. And that's just kind of a, a strange perspective of looking at it. But I find that works for me is kind of finding the emotion separate from you and it's not you. You know, it, it kind of shifts the perspective of thinking I am this emotion and therefore I can't get away from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. It's the difference between saying I'm sad and I'm feeling sad. Yes. I'm sad is like 
a state of being you are sad whereas I'm feeling as this is a current feeling and it will pass and I will feel other things um so yeah completely makes sense and I actually find for me saying stuff aloud kind of puts it out (laughs) into the world yeah and sometimes it makes it more real but then it just makes it pass as well like once you've kind of shared something and everyone's different but I find it really helpful I'm like I, I feel like I'm allowed to swear, like, feel like shit. And um, once I've said it, it's like, it's cool. It's out in the world and I can kind of move on from it. So, uh, but yeah, I think there's lots of different ways of of kind of processing your feelings and recognizing that they're transient. Yeah, 100%. And one thing I, I wanted to tap into, kind of switching gears slightly, but I saw you make a post today in regards to uh, how your friends perhaps weren't there for you in regards to your grief. I think that's an important conversation because the support group people have are, you know, are vary up and down and the way people react to grief, there's always that conversation of how do you, how does the griever handle the grief and, you know, the, the close family who lost someone, but then there is a whole ripple effect of the people around you that are kind of brought into the situation indirectly or directly. And, you know, there's can be resentment. It can be incredibly powerful how your support group responds, but what was your experience with, your friends and how you're saying that they kind of quote unquote ditched you during your grief. So we, I mean, we share lots of stories. Actually, I didn't write that. It was um, one of our other members who wrote that, but it's something that, you know, I've experienced and comes up a lot. Um, it was interesting. So as I said, I'm, I'm well, I'd say culturally Jewish. I, I'm not necessarily religious, but we have a process where we sit shiver, which is basically after someone dies um, for a few days, up to a week afterwards, everyone comes around in the evenings to the person who's died's house. And the custom is you go up to the pers- like the immediate family and you, you wish them long life, which I always thought was quite funny <laughs> when I zoom out. <laughs> but I think it's a really good process because it forces you or the friends to, to come and show up physically to acknowledge and that someone has died and actually say it directly uh, to, you know, I by saying I wish you long life or, you know, I'm I'm here for you, you're you're having to communicate about the fact that someone's died. And it lasts for a few days. So it's not just kind of you do it once and it's it's you say it once and it's gone. People kind of continually show up for a few days. And I think that that's quite a good blueprint as a wider thing for how ideally friends and family would deal with a death, which is that they acknowledge it. You know, they they communicate to you that they know it's happened and they are there for you and show up and continue to show up. And that's kind of in an ideal world. That's how people would behave um, and not just for a couple of months, but years down the line. But it doesn't happen like that, as as I'm sure you you know as well. And I think we talk about this all the time. It's probably the thing we talk about most um, on the Untangle app is the fact that just friends just say nothing or they um or they say things that are like oh are you better now as if it's kind of it's something that you you suddenly get over I think people are really awkward about talking about death I know that I was for sure and I still am I mean even after doing this work I still sometimes think oh no I don't want to say the wrong thing or um or I hope that wasn't like thoughtless and and people are scared that I think and they also think I think a lot of people think that they talk about death they're either reminding you that the person's died which is ridiculous because if you're thinking if 
they're thinking about it, you're going to be thinking about it probably. Or if you're not in that moment, you probably did 10, 20 minutes ago. It's not like it just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> or that they're going to remind you that, you know, that, um, and, and upset you. And, and actually, I think it's a real shame. So, yeah, one of the big things I really want to do with Untangle is just break that taboo around death and grief and get people talking about it. That people that aren't in the grief space, but friends and family, you know, in the same way that if someone got married, you would ask them about that and, you know, and ask mm-hmm. them how it was. And it, like, why don't we talk about these life events and acknowledge them and ask questions about them? So, um, yeah, I, and I found for me, I think both with my grandpa, with my sister, people ask about how, how I am. And, but it's like, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of a downer. They just don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. And it feels, feels really isolating and it kind of feels quite invalidating. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't still be thinking about this or talking about this. And that's that's why I really want you know to get to get people actually literate and talking about death and feeling confident to talk about it and recognizing that it doesn't have to be a, always be a sad thing either. Like we can celebrate these people, we can talk about um, their stories, and it's actually so lovely. Like last night we had a support group, and at the end everyone shared and described their loved ones who died, and. It was just so beautiful hearing about all these amazing people that, yeah, they're no longer with us, but their stories, their memories, their personalities can still live on and like we can laugh about them. And it's just so heartwarming. So um, I've said loads of things in that, but basically (laughs) I just think it's a real shame that people don't talk about death and grief and it's a missed opportunity. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's why I was so excited to speak with you. And now hearing it from you, I just saw it visually and what I see you post online and whatnot. But you're, I, I, sh- I share a similar mindset in many ways. That's the whole purpose that I think what I'm doing in a different, obviously in, in different, in our own ways. But it's just, it is, it is wild to me. And I was, wasn't always this person. I was just comfortable about, around it. it. I became that person. I feel, but it's we're we're all gonna we're all gonna die. <laughs> it's like that is the most certain thing in life if you will and it's like the fact that it is so certain we all share that you think you know that idea of community around sharing this the idea that we're all going to go would bring people closer to want to talk about it because we're all sharing that but it just i i understand yeah it is kind of a morbid thought but then if you look around the way death is celebrated culturally outside of the west outside of the west and you know especially in the united states people do celebrate and i think that is a good perspective i think it allows people to continue living on with the memory of your loved one as opposed to thinking, oh, they're gone and th- and that's it. So by talking about it, it's going to open up old wounds. But at the same time, I think talking about it, if it does open up an old wound, to me, that's a good thing because you're, you're going to heal the wound that way in many other aspects. But yeah, I couldn't agree more that I think this is an important conversation because this conversation can open up the rest of your life and the way you live your life as we both alluded to with our own experiences. Someone actually said uh, the other day in one of our support groups, um, they were like, People were saying his name 50 years when he was alive and literally five months after he's died, they've stopped saying his name. And I thought that's such a good way of thinking about the problem, right? Like someone can be here, we talk about them and they're part of our lives for 50, 60, 70 years. So why not carry on saying their name 50, 60, 70 years after they've died, you know, and celebrating them? 
Couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I try to bring up my dad all the time, and it's usually in a in a good light. Sometimes it gets emotional, but like I'm cool. I'm personally okay with that. I think that is life. Life is a roller coaster. Emotions are involved. This is going to happen. So I, I think everything should be discussed, in my opinion. Like I, I feel like the more you talk about anything, get different perspectives, hear more stories, it's just going to enlighten us all. But you know, I guess that's not for everyone, and that's okay too. Uh, but one thing I, I do want to cap off. I just have a question because it got. I meant to bring it up sooner when you brought it up, but I want to interrupt. Is there anything that you say to someone specifically? Do you have a template of what you say to someone that just told you they lost someone? Like, is there something you found that seems to be a comforting way of opening that constellation? Constellation. I don't know why I said that word. Wrong word. I know what you mean, though. Um, it's a good question. It's <laughs> Honestly, I don't think there is a perfect thing to say. Um, generally... I try and acknowledge their pain. Like, this is really hard. This is shit. I'm really, you know, it's just recognizing that it's not, it's it's hard. Like, that's it. And, you know, that, that, that I love them. I'm there for them if it's if it's someone I'm very close to or most people. And, um, and ask them, and sometimes asking kind of open-ended how are you questions, I think can be quite tiresome. Like, but specific questions can be, it depends how early on, but, you know, like, would you like to talk about them or, you know, how, how are you, how have you been today or how's this afternoon been for you? I don't think there's a perfect answer to this. I think everyone's different, but I, I think the main thing is just acknowledging their pain. Like, I think that's, and, and not not trying to fix it or, sort of, you know, find the silver linings like, oh, well, they lived a long life or, oh, well, you know, isn't it so nice that you got to be with them when they died? Those things are true, but it doesn't make it any less hard. So, and I've definitely not, you know, I've, I've definitely said things that in the past I've been like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. But I think saying something is better than saying nothing. And um, so, yeah, I, I just, I love you. I'm here. Acknowledge their pain. Um, and I think try and do like specific things. I found that like going over to their house um obviously they might not want you there and and being respectful of that or sending people food uh like healthy nutritious food uh I think is a really easy way of providing support in the early days and beyond that as well can be yeah so I, I think the kind of acts of support and service that are helpful can also be really really good I love it yeah I couldn't agree more it's a sensitive topic even as someone who's like us that have experienced loss, it's like you just don't know how your response is going to affect them or what they need. So uh, I sometimes try to ask them literally what they need and implore that I truly mean that. I'm not just saying that. Like, And I try to give them examples of what I can do to try to spin their head around it. Because sometimes people just want to be left alone and I don't want to be on top of them. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation to handle on the other side of the foot. Um, so, But if you know the person, I think sometimes you might know what to do. But Emily, I want to I want to thank you for for hopping on here. And how can people, in regards to resources, of course, your own platform, share more information on Untangle or how they can find you? And and again, just more resources for anyone that might be grieving or interested in exploring this conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, so we're on Untangle at Untangle Grief, um, all our socials. So um, we kind of use our platform to share different stories about uh, people's losses their experiences of grief and and just try and as the same way that you are normalize the conversations around death and dying and loss um and then on at untangle grief on the app stores so 
our app has support groups. It's all safeguarded and moderated. Uh, we've got members in our 140 countries now. So there's always someone online to chat to. And we have um, those tools to help you cope. And lots of, in fact, we've got probably happening right now, um, live events with different experts um, all the time. So lots of resources on there. Um, I do suggest checking out if you are looking for, you know, um, something to help. So uh, I'm trying to, we're trying to build the support that we all wish we had. And uh, it's still kind of early days for Untangle, but we're like listening to the community and trying to create and design around um, what the community kind of want and need. So um, yeah, definitely check us out at Untangle Grief. Beautiful. I, I, I admire what you're doing. I, I'm very grateful to have you on, on here and everyone that's listening. Uh, please check her out. I'll put, as always, I'll put all the information below. Um, if if you like this podcast, I promise you like what she's posting probably even more. So go check her out. And uh, if you know someone that needs a resource, uh, hopefully you can you know recommend what she's doing at Untangle because you're doing some cool things and it's I love it. So uh, thank you again, Emily. Thank and, you. Uh, of course. Yeah. And hopefully I, I, next time I get to London, we'll actually get to meet in person and um, hopefully we could do more together. So thank you again. And another episode of Dead Talks. Until next time, y'all. See you later.